welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. So I wanted tonight just spend some time speaking about how we can keep hope through hurt. Because here's the sad, bad, depressing news. Every one of us here, if you have a pulse, is going to experience hurt. In fact, if you didn't already experience it coming into the car park, maybe the car park attendant, who was lovingly trying to assist you into a car park, made you park somewhere you didn't want to park. Maybe you came in and you decided, you know what, I've got just enough time to get a coffee. You run to the cafe counter and they put up the sign, note closed, where stop serving. Maybe your friend ran past you in a, in a hurry to get to the bathroom. I don't know the reason, but there's every chance between you leaving home tonight and making it to your seat today, you experience hurt. And can I encourage you further? If that hasn't been your reality, let me let, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Sometime between now and in the future, you are going to experience hurt. Are you feeling encouraged? I know, I know. What a great way to spend a hot Sunday night feeling depressed and encouraged that we're going to get hurt. But the good news is we don't have to live in that state of hurt. And so like I said, I want to talk to us tonight about how we can keep hurt, 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 how we can keep hope through hurt. So according to the Collins Dictionary, hurt is a physical or mental pain or suffering. And this is what I've learned, is that hurt is not discriminative. In other words, hurt doesn't respect gender. Hurt doesn't say, well, you're female, so we'll give it a miss today. Or hurt doesn't say, well, you're a man and you're strong, so I'm not even going to attempt it. Hurt doesn't respect age. Oh, you know what? You're getting a little bit past it now, not able to so much to deal with it, so I'll bypass you. Or, you know, you're a little bit young, green around the ears, you haven't quite learned. Hurt doesn't discriminate. It doesn't care about your social status, doesn't care about your religious uh, beliefs, it doesn't care about your vocation, what you do. Hurt is um, not discriminative. Here's what else I've learned, is you can't earn protection from hurt. It's not like, well, hang on a second. I'm the kind of person, I let everybody go first. I help little old ladies across the street. I'm generous with my time. I'm gen- Hurt, it doesn't really matter to hurt. It's like, yeah, so what? All right, it doesn't, you cannot earn protection from it. Wisdom and obedience can minimise hurt So I can learn some tools, I can learn some things, I can be smart with my money, I can be smart with my time, I can be smart with my mouth in a positive sense, it's not a smart mouth, just I can be smart with what I say. I can make right choices, I can do the right thing. That may minimise hurt, but it won't eradicate hurt. See, the problem is that we get disappointed when our expectations aren't met. And do you need to know that everyone in this room has an expectation? We're all expecting something, all right? We are expecting that we have got expectations about our life's course. 
You may be sitting there thinking, you know what, I've, um, I've got plans and goals, I'm going to go to university and then after university I'm going to get the top ranking job in that field that I've studied for all these years. You might be thinking there's a promotion coming up at work and I've been working hard and I've done all the right things and I've got the qualifications for it and I'm up for that. You could be thinking, you know what, I've got this brilliant idea. I'm just going to go to the right people. They're going to finance my idea and I'm going to be just a millionaire by the time I'm 21 because they just see the potential in me and they know that this is a brilliant idea. We've all got expectations. We've got expectations of where we want to finish in life. We've got expectations in relationships. I don't know of a bride and groom who get married thinking that, you know what, I don't really think this is going to work, but we'll give it a go. Everybody has an expectation that this is my, I'm going to have a happy marriage. I love this man or I love this woman and we're going to make this work. We're going to have, we've got expectations relationally. I don't know a parent who doesn't have expectations that their kids will be the best kids around. It's okay for you. I saw what you did. You've done okay, but wait till I have my children. I'll show you what it's like to be a real parent. We've got expectations of our relationships. We even have expectations of how God should respond. In other words, you know what, Lord? I've got this issue. I've got this problem. I expect, based on your word, you're going to heal me. And you're going to do it my way, my timing, how I like. Easy. Expectations. So we've all got expectations. And the problem is that... We, when those expectations aren't fulfilled, we lose hope. And hope, according to the dictionary, is a feeling or desire for something. It's a confidence in the possibility of its fulfilment, a desire, a wish, a trust or to believe. Now, the Bible exhorts us in Hebrews 10 verse 23 that we're to hold unswervingly to the hope. Remember the desire, the wish, the trust to believe. We're to hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Because why? Because He who promised is faithful. God may not answer us in the ways we desire. Isaiah 55, 9 says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So He might not answer us the way we think He should. You know what, God, based on this, 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 and this, I think you should do this, 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 and this. Scripture clearly tells us he's, he's above what we think. So he might not answer us the way we think, but this is what he does say. He says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, God, and God is faithful, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. So his promise to us, church, is this. Whatever your trial... Whatever your circumstance, whatever your hurt or disappointment, He has empowered you to overcome it. He has empowered you to overcome it. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. He has not and He will not abandon you. He has not and He will not abandon you. So this is what we need to know. During hurting times, you and I need to fight to keep our hope. Remember what I said? Hope is our desire, a wish, 
our trust, our belief in God to do something for us. But when we're hurt, that wish, that belief, that desire, that trust gets diminished. But yet the promise is He has not and He will not abandon us. So that means that we have the ability to hold on to this hope that is given us. But the problem is when I see people uh, working and I see in my own life when hurt comes and situations and disappointment comes, one of the first things that leaves my life is hope. And yet it's hope that's going to help me get through my hurt. So I just thought I would take the word hope. I'm going to do an acronym and we're going to use the word hope. And I want to give us keys on how we can fight to keep our hope so that we can overcome our hurt. Does it sound like a good plan? Three of you. Does it sound like a good plan? Good. Look, I know it's warm tonight. But you know what? It's no warmer down there for you than it is for me up here in the spotlight, all right? So as my husband always says, if you're visiting here and you haven't had the privilege of hearing Tony, this is what he says. There are two preachers in the room tonight. There's the really spunky one up here that's holding the microphone. <laughs> oh, God. Help me, Jesus, please. And there's the one that's in you sitting on your chair. So this is what you've got to do. You will get as good as you draw out. So when you hear something good, you say, that is great. All right, so let me hear you say it. That is great. If it's mediocre, go, hmm. <laughs> Just testing your listening. I thought that'd be louder. All right, so there are two preachers in the room, okay? There's me and then there's you. And the Word says that faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. So if you hear something that you like tonight, you need to hear yourself say, I like that. That's true. I need that. You don't say that because I don't need it. Because in all truth, I don't often hear what's coming back. You need to say it because you need to say it. Faith comes from hearing. So you think, I'm hurt. I need some keys. I need to hold on to my hope. Kath said this. Yes, I like that. Or Jesus, thank you. All right. So we encourage enough. Again, I know it's hot, but the more you encourage me, the quicker I go. Because you notice now I'm talking faster and the quicker we'll be out of here. All right. So keys to keeping our hope. H. Hope starts with hope. Hope starts with hope. Hope starts with H and H stands for honesty. The first key in keeping our hope is to be honest. Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. You know what? If you want to keep your hope, you just got to be honest. Honest with yourself is the best key in the first place to start. You know what? You just got to be honest with what you want. And say, you know what, I don't know what your situation, you might be sitting here thinking, you know, I am struggling in my schoolwork. I would really like to improve my grades. You know what, you just got to be honest with that. Rather than sticking your head in the sand saying, it's not happening, it's not happening, I'm okay, I'm okay, just be honest. Say, you know what, I'm getting disappointed, I'm getting hurt that all my effort and everything that I'm trying to do is not amounting to anything. Be honest. Say, you know what, God, I am struggling. I am not doing some, what I need here to be able to receive the results and the, uh, what I'm aiming for. So be honest with yourself. Maybe you're single and you want a husband. You know what? Be, it is not a shame to say, actually, I want to be married. We walk around saying, oh, I'm not allowed to admit that. But you know what? That's how you lose your hope. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And if you're denying to yourself what you really want, then you're making yourself sick. It's not a shame to say, you know what, I want to be married. It's not a shame to say, I want to have kids. It's not a shame to say, I want a promotion. 
It's not, a sh- it's not for you to be ashamed of saying those things. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. You need to be honest about what you want. Denial of the truth saps your hope. You need to be honest not only about what you want, but be honest with how you're feeling. Just, you know what? I am discouraged. I do want children and I'm struggling in my infertility. I do want to pass my exams and I am struggling to have make sense of this work that's before me. I do want to get married and I'm struggling to do that. I want to be a great parent and I'm struggling in my parenting. Be honest with how you feel. I'm discouraged in that. I'm disappointed with myself. I'm angry at that. Undealt, um, undealt with feelings erode your hope. And I say it all the time, but you know what? Doctors cannot treat what they do not know. So if we don't confess and say, this is what I am, this is what I have. If we don't, we go to the doctor and produce our symptoms. We say to him, this is what is happening. And he draws a conclusion from that. And we walk around not saying anything, don't say anything. And how are we actually supposed to bring uh, hope to our situation? Because we won't actually admit to that in the first place. So we're talking about keeping our hope. We've got to be honest. Honest with ourselves is the first place. We have to be honest with God. Psalm 139, two to four says, you know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. Here's a revelation and a shocker maybe for you. But God already knows how you feel. Now you might go, well then what's the point? It's not actually for your information for you to be honest with God. I mean, sorry, I got that wrong. It's not actually for God's information for you to be honest with Him. Because He's like, duh, I know. I know your thoughts before you've even thought them. It's like, it's not for His information. It's for you to hear yourself. Again, faith comes from hearing and hearing. Sometimes it's not until we say it, it's not until we go, you know what, God, I am so ticked off that this went down. God goes, yes. Now we're getting somewhere because you've been in denial until now. Now you're being honest. Now we know how we can sort this out. It's not for God's information for you to be honest with God. Because what happens is when, and you've seen, if you've got kids, you've seen this. If you've done something wrong, if you're holding, so if you've got bitterness or um, anger towards God or disappointment, you've let it fester into something and you just, I don't trust you anymore, God. I'm upset that you didn't answer that. I'm not upset. If you've got kids, you've seen kids when they've done something wrong. You know what, you can be in the other side of the house doing something and it's, it goes quiet. And suddenly every mother knows that's not good. Like, that, that's not good. And then when you find your children, they, like, it's like they can't look at you. They're looking down. They've all suddenly got all these excuses to go and do things. It's like, like what's going on? It's because they're guilty. And when we're holding bitterness or anger or we're disappointed and we've let that fester, we feel guilty. So God wants us to be honest with Him for our benefit. Because when you feel guilty, you can't come into the presence of a all-knowing, all-loving, generous God and feel good about it. So then we withdraw. So we, you know what? We're being honest with God because, again, not for His benefit, for our benefit. Because He already knows, but when we get it out there, it removes the guilt and it removes the barrier of us coming towards Him. So if you've ever thought yourself or feel, you know, there's this barrier between me and God, what is it? that possibly you're not being honest with God about. The enemy uses that guilt and shame against us. It shakes our confidence and trust in God, resulting in our loss of hope. And there's, I love the story in the Bible 
It's in Mark chapter 9 where a father brings his son to the disciples. He's asking, he's got a a demon-possessed son and the disciples cannot get this demon out of this young boy. And when Jesus comes back, he says, what's going on? And the disciples are saying, we can't do it. Or the father says, we brought this, um, my son to the disciples and they can't do anything with it. And And the Jesus question is amazing. He says to the father, do you believe I can do this? And I think that the father's response is even more amazing. He says, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. And you know what I love? Is Jesus doesn't go, oh, well, because you don't believe, that's it. Jesus, right then he steps down to where that man is and helps his son, delivers his son. And I think we've got this wrong concept of God. It's like, I can't tell God I'm actually angry with him. It's like, hello, revelation, God already knows. He knows your thoughts. We have to be honest with God. Again, not for God's benefit, but for our benefit. So let's be honest with God. Let's be honest with others. Proverbs 27, 6 says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. It's those you can trust. You know what? We need to have people in our world when we're going through a disappointment, a hurt, something's trying to latch on and steal our joy and our hope. We've got to have those in our life we can just go to and go, and they let us have our little hissy fits and then they help us. We have to have those we can trust, those who are for you, those who've got your best interests at heart. They'll keep you accountable and they'll keep you focused. They'll keep you looking up. If you're going to a friend who's keeping you looking down, they're not the friend for you. You go to a friend who keeps you looking up. I hear your hurt. I hear your frustration. I hear your disappointment, but can let me show you the way. Look up here. Don't look to them. Don't look to that. Look up here. You need to have people in your life that you can help you with. And I have told you, if you've been to Victory before, just our story with Mitch and when um, I was pregnant with Mitch and the doctors picked up some issues in the womb, we just, what we did, we didn't deny it. We went to three trusted people, went to Tony's dad, we went to Pete and another uh, friend in ministry and just said, this is what the doctors have said. We are telling you so you can keep us accountable. We're telling you, we're being honest with you so that if I'm feeling low, if I'm feeling bad, I'm ringing you and saying, you know what, Pete, right now, I am not coping with this. Are the enemies doing this? I'm thinking negative thoughts, whatever. People who just say, you know what, Kath, That's cool. Great. Got it off your chest. Now look up. All right. So the key for you to overcome hurt is to have hope. And H is for honest. Remember always, if all else fails, honesty is the best policy. O is for optimism. According to the dictionary, optimism is the tendency to expect the best in all things. To keep your hope in a time or a season of hurt when things aren't making sense and you're disappointed, you just have to remain optimistic. Now, again, I'm not talking hyperfaith, like it's not happening. Like the Monty Python skit, you know, where they slap that guy and he's just a torso. He's got no arms and legs. And he's like, it's just a flesh wound. It's like, dude, it's more than a flesh wound. So we're not talking about denial. Like, no, 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 it's okay. But I'm saying, no, you know what? But let's be optimistic. I'm real, I'm being honest. I'm telling you what my issue is, but I want to be optimistic. We need to be uh, uh, talking to change the way we look at things. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought 
to make it obedient to Christ. If you want to get through your hurt, you've got to remain optimistic. You know what it might mean for some of us? It means we may have to deal with our negativity. It may mean that we may have to change our thinking. That's what that scripture's saying. Take captive those thoughts. Just know that's not a positive thought. I'm taking captive that thought. We may possibly need to change our confession. What are you saying? What are you speaking over yourself? What are you confessing by saying, oh, I'm no good and this is right. Oh, you know what? I'll probably be this and this will probably happen to that and they'll probably ignore me and this will go wrong. We need to change our confession and possibly we need to change our actions. We need to start expecting the best first in all situations and give hope a chance. I don't know how many times people have said to me that they have taken an offence at me personally because I have walked past them in the shopping centre. No, no, I'm not. This is an honest truth. But here's what you need to know. I can't see past the first row. I am short-sighted, which means Carly's there, Kelly's there, Sam, Fee, Pete, says Nick, Katie, Mick, Derek. <laughs> I just can't. So you know what? I walk past people all the time. And here's the thing. When we're talking about optimistic, it's about saying, you know what? I don't think she walked past me deliberately. I think she didn't see me. And that's how we have to look at it. These things happen to us all the time. You know what? Maybe your friend dealt with you nasty. Maybe she was rude to you on the phone, said something was inappropriate. You know what? Optimism says, hey, I wonder if something's going on in her world. And maybe I'll just wait an hour or I'll go around there or tomorrow I'll just, I'll ask her. Rather than this is what when we're hurting, what we do is go, well, do you know who I am? Do you know what I've done for you? Do you know what's happening in my life? If you knew what was happening, and before we know it, negative, bad, let's be optimistic. Wow, maybe something's going on. Maybe, how's this? Maybe I just misinterpret it. Maybe, I don't know, the child she was talking to on the phone and you think she just hung up on me, but maybe her kid like, was hanging from the cupboards on a stool, on tiptoes, reaching for a glass, was going to, you know what I mean? We don't know. But let's be optimistic and say, you know what? If I want to deal with my hurt, I've got to hold on to optimism. I've got to start thinking the positive. I mean, I've just decided you cannot be in leadership and not be optimistic. I've just decided unless you come up to my face and say, I hate your guts, I believe you like me. (laughs) Now, don't come up to my face (laughs) because you might see me cry. But you know what I mean? I've just decided I like myself too much to let negative thoughts and, and interpreting things. And, did, you know, I saw two people talking in the cafe, uh, coffee bar afterwards and, they were, and I walked past and they stopped. They must have been talking about me. I'm going to go, they were talking about me. They were saying, gee, she's looking good. I don't know. But you know what? If you can think that I'm, they are thinking negative about you, why can't you think they're thinking positive about you? Well, here's a revelation. Just think that they're talking about somebody else. They're talking about what Jesus has done in their life and what they're going to do and how they're going to make a difference in their city and what they're going to do with bringing their friend. Why does it have to be negative? 
We live in a negative world, but we're not of this world. The Bible says that we're in it, but we're not of it. And it's about time God's children started living differently. Start living optimistically. Start living like I'm gonna believe the best in people. I, Tony wishes he was here right now. <laughs> All right. They didn't see me. They didn't mean to do that. Whatever it is, if you're wanting, we're talking about dealing with your hurt. We're talking about you need hope. And O is for being optimistic. P is for pressing in. The enemy's plan is to divide and conquer. And here's a revelation, church. It's not a new plan. Have you ever thought that? It's like that. We sometimes we're so sick because the devil is a created being, not a creator. He can't come up with any new strategies. So he uses the same old ones. But sometimes we're so daft, they keep working on us. And we've just got to have the revelation, hang on a second, that's an old plan. Who's ever watched a nature show? I watch them because my father-in-law loves them and then gives them to my six-year-old who makes me sit down and watch them with her. And this is what the lion does. He sees the herd and he sits and he watches. Well, I should say she because she's the one who hunts. The man just sits there and eats after she's done all the hard work. What does that remind me of? <laughs> she watches. She watches. She watches. And she says, ah, oh, hanging out the back there. Little straggler. Probably got hurt, offended by his friend. Friend walked past, he thought didn't see him. Now little zebra's like, got a snooty, snooty on. My stripes are better than your stripes. So he kind of starts to isolate himself. Or he's just injured. And when the herd is moving, the slow, the weak, the vulnerable fall to the back. And so who does the lioness go for? Does she go for the middle of the pack, those who are entrenched, those who are going, they're running in stride, they're in power, they're focused, they're going. Is that who the lioness goes for? Who does she go for? She goes for the little zebra who's got a gammy leg, who's been carrying a hurt for years and just won't deal with his own insecurities and soreness to get over himself. And he hangs at the back and he says, oh, but you don't understand my life. You don't know what those other zebras did to me. If you knew what they did to me, you wouldn't be feeling for them. You'd be feeling for me too. You know what? The lioness doesn't give a rip. The lioness is like, that's lunch. And so what the lioness does with her buddies is they encircle those who are on the fringe. If you want to get over your hurt, don't hang on the fringe. Get in the middle of the pack. Press in. Press into God through His Word. Just His Word. The Bible says His Word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. His Word is like food to my soul. I don't know whether your Bible reading is got you hanging from the rafters because of all the revelation or it's dry as. Here's the key, keep reading. There have been days when I'm like, oh, Smith Wigglesworth, who? Have you not heard of me because of what I'm reading? And there are other days when I just think, I don't get it. I just, I don't know what I read. I'm going to read it for the fifth time and still. 
But what I know is when I read his word, a rich deposit goes into my heart, it goes into my soul, and I never, never, never know when something comes against me or I find myself in a situation, something comes out and you think, whoa, where did that come from? I tell you where that came from. That came from times of swinging from the rafters and times of just day by day doing the daily discipline. Press into God's Word. There are no excuses based on iPods, iPads, all the apps out there, Bibles in the Resource Centre. There is no excuse for us not to press into God's Word. His written Word. What about His prophetic words? You know what? I've got words, some we've written and kept, and some I just remember. I can tell you of three prophetic words specific over the last 20 years. I can tell you who said them. I can tell you there's one I remember in my lounge room. I know the man. I can see his face. I know exactly where he was standing when he started to prophesy over Tony and his ministry. This is before we even planted the church. And so when there are times, and can I tell you as a leader, there are times when I just say, you know what, I'm out of here. You just, you know, I'm not going anymore. I've had enough. Those people, God, I feel like Moses. Those people you've given me to lead, nah, I'm just, I can't even lead myself sometimes. How do you expect me to lead them? There are times when you just, oh, that's it, I'm out. Whether it's because of what I'm feeling pressure from people, whether it's my own, whatever it is, there are times when I say, I'm out. And you know what? It's the word, not only the written word, it's that prophetic word of that man. I see his face. And when he says, Tony, I see something in you I have never seen before. I see an apostolic house. I see an apostolic calling. I see um, you laying foundations in the life. And then to have someone like a Danny Gould only three years ago, almost verbatim the same prophecy over Tony. I see an apostolic calling on your life. I see something different that hasn't been seen before. There's something special about you. They're the things you hold on to. You talk about hope, press in, press into God's Word. If you don't have a prophetic word, that's cool because you've got the God's Word. There's enough prophecy in that for you that you can apply to your situation. So press into God, press in through His Word, they've written the prophetic through church. Seriously, guys, we don't have Sunday morning, Sunday night, and connect groups and a once a month prayer meeting because we're trying to fill your time. We understand the power and the importance of our corporateness together. We understand what it does. We're trying, we've tried to keep it as minimal as we can. We've tried to keep it as um, small as we can. We've tried to keep it to what we can without compromising what we need. Again, we're in this world, not of it. And so to be in the world but not of it, we've got to come and learn what is counterculture to what's out there. What do I need to know to help me be a better witness in my workplace, to be a better Christian, to live a better life, to be a better wife, to be a better husband, to be a better son or daughter. So press in to church services, home groups, prayer meeting, press into people. Again, like we said about being honest with people, press into positive people. People who are in a better place than you spiritually and emotionally. Again, people who are going to say, look up, Kath, look up. I never forget when Cez was up here, and I don't know how long ago it was now when your mum passed away. And I'll never forget when he said, you know what? He was being vulnerable and honest with us. And he just said, you know what? There are days I get up and I think, I do not want to come. I just don't want to be around people. I don't want to see people. And he said, and when those days come, it's the very thing I do. He said, I put my shoes on and I am there because I know that that feeling is not normal, that feeling is not natural and I'm going to combat that the only way I know how and that's to get into the presence of God and to get into the presence of His people. Press into God, press into people and press into your call. 
All of us have been gifted. All of us have a calling, a destiny, plans and purposes. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you. God's got a plan for your life. He's got amazing things He wants you to do. And I'm not talking about the brother or sister next to you. I'm talking about you. He wants to do amazing things in and through you. So if you're wanting to get over your hurt and your disappointment, press into your call. God wants to do amazing things through you. Serving others takes your eyes off yourself. Here's what I've learned. It either lets me know, you know what, I'm not in this alone. As I'm pressing in and I'm trying and I'm, I'm serving God, I'm saying, okay, I'm rubbing shoulders with friends and we're doing this together and I realise, oh, you're, you're experiencing the same things as me. Oh, cool. So it either encourages me because people are doing the same or here's the other thing it does. It encourages me because I realise, whoa, I'm doing all right. In other words, in light of what they are struggling with and what they're having to put up with, I'm doing all right. Recently, we went to a pastor's meeting and um, the advantage of a pastor's meeting is for those who are in ministry, you need to have a safe place where you can go, you know what, this is happening. This is, I just need your prayers. And we, we, want, we want our pastors to be vulnerable. We want them to be honest. You don't want it vulnerable from up here. Like, oh, my life, you think your marriage is bad. Jeepers, you should check out mine. You don't want vulnerable from here, but you need to know you've got a team who are vulnerable, who they're going to expose their life to others, those who are in a better place and say, help us here. What are we struggling here? And recently we had the opportunity to go to a pastor's time. And I've been blessed, honestly blessed, that most of the times I go to those things, I feel good. I don't feel like I've got to say anything. And you know, sometimes the joke is, oh, you know, nothing's ever wrong with you. Well, the one we went to a couple of weeks ago, I couldn't wait to get there because I thought, right, I'm going to go there and I'm going to go, you think it's all right for me. Let me tell you this, 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 this and this. Year of promise, yeah, year of I don't know what. But right now it's not a year of promise. So I was ready. I thought, brilliant. I get my opportunity to go, this is me. They start going around the room. People started saying stuff. It got to me and I went, Jesus, I am so sorry. This is a year of promise for me. It lifted my head. I just thought, what on earth are you whinging about? You've got nothing to complain about. When I started hearing the pain and the story of others and what they were labouring through and what they were going through, I was just like, thank you, Jesus, did my homework. You just fixed me right then and there without me having to do or say anything. You lifted my eyes. I realised, you know what? I'm serving in the best place. I've got the best opportunities. I pressed in and went, my life's good. And now what I'm going to do is I'm going to serve them and help them in their situation. And all of a sudden, that little issue or whatever I'd made into a major mountain was nothing. Press in to your call. E, expectant. H-O-P-E. Making sure I can spell. Expectance. Finally, if we want to keep our hope alive, you need to keep expecting. Matthew 21, 22 says, If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. You know what? We need to get a picture and think of an expectant mum. I don't know of an expectant mum who actually made no preparations. Just expanded, expanded, year, year, <laughs> month. <laughs> Two, three, four, five, six. Seven, eight, nine, getting a bit... Oh. I don't know of an expectant mum who just didn't make preparations. She goes and she prepares a nursery. 
She finds a room. Even if she doesn't have a set-aside nursery, she makes space for her new baby. She buys clothes. They get stuff to put for the car because you need to make preparations for this new life. You know what? If you want to overcome in your hurt with hope, you need to start expecting again. You need to make preparation in your life. You need to prepare the nursery of your heart. Because you know where hope is birthed? It's in your heart. And so we need to look at our heart as being the nursery. And I'm going to prepare the nursery. And you know what? I might have to take out some of the old cupboards that are in there. I might have to take out some of the old furniture. It may need a lick of paint in there. I might have to dust some of the cobwebs. I might have to go and buy some clothes for this new life that God is bringing into. But you know what? I'm going to make preparation in my heart for what God is wanting to birth in there. We need to just, it's as simple as this. We need to recognise, you know what, I've been hurt. You know what, I've been carrying unforgiveness, bitterness. I've been carrying whatever it is. We've just got to recognise it. It's as simple as repenting. And repenting is seriously just saying, you know what, I'm sorry for holding on to that. I'm sorry for what I've allowed that to do in my life. Repent. We need to forgive. If we're holding on to something because of what someone has done to us, you need to do yourself a favour. You need to forgive. And just, you know what? It doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter how they respond after this. My responsibility is to forgive them because that's all I have control over. I have control over my own forgiveness. I have no control over how they respond. I have no control over whether they throw my uh, ask for forgiveness back in my face. All I know is for whatever I'm holding against them, my responsibility is to forgive. And then here's the key, church. You need to dare to expect again. Can I tell you, in 19 years of ministry, I've made some big mistakes, little mistakes. I've been hurt and I've hurt people. And there have been times when I've said, I'm not doing, you know what, God, I cannot do this anymore. Lord, I've poured myself out, I've done this, and this is what they've done in return to me. And every time, God has never let me off the hook. He has said, you know what, daughter, you can do this. You know what, honey, just get up and love again. Get up, expect again. Because why should someone else miss out on what maybe you could bring to them because of someone else's decisions? And I've just decided, like Jen said on her testimony, you know what? You just take the step. I like being comfortable though. I like, you know what? The fact that if I can just live in my little bubble and God doesn't really expect too much of me and ask too much of me, I won't get hurt. Well, that doesn't work either. But you know what? Every time I step out, God says, come this way. I feel like I'm, you know, Hansel and Gretel. And they threw the food so that you just keep, you know, you ever catch a duck, throw stuff and then go like this? And then you, no, it's just me. Okay. That's what I feel God has done to me. He's just put, okay, if I said M&Ms, you'd get it, right? If I put m and a trail of M&Ms. Oh, look. Oh, look. That's what God's done to me my whole life. Oh, look, M&Ms. Oh, Oh, and then you look back and go, how did I get here? We need to expect again. God wants to put M&Ms before you. He wants to put things before you and we can go, "Mm, I don't know, but come on, just imagine. See it now. Mm, Can you taste it? The M&M, the crispy chill, the chocolate. And we're so busy going, oh, it's not a trap. Yes, it's a trap. Let me tell you that. 
Because God's trying to get you to move forward, right? Expect, again, you wanna overcome your hurt. You wanna keep your hope. You need to expect again. As the band come up, I just wanna close with this. There is only one way to avoid hurt. And it's called death. And we will all experience that. But right now, our challenge is to live and to live healed. There is no way of avoiding hurt, but there is a way that we can overcome hurt. The secret to making it through hurting times is we need to keep our hope. Romans 5 verses 3 to 5 says, Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And verse 5 says, And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom whom He has given us. We have to fight to keep our hope. And we keep our hope by being honest, by being optimistic, by pressing in and by expecting again. And can I encourage you and leave you with this? If you're in a place of hopelessness right now, you look at your situation, your circumstance, and you just go, you know, but it's okay for you. Can I tell you it is okay for me, but it's okay for me because of hope. And can I also tell you it's okay for you because of hope. Can I encourage you, don't beat yourself up. Just recognise it. Say, you know what, that's what it is. I'm not being honest with myself. I'm not, I've been negative, I'm not optimistic. Actually, I've isolated myself. Whatever it is, recognise it. Make the necessary adjustments and let hope flow again. Because you know what, it's not all is lost. You may be disillusioned with your friends, You may even be here tonight and you're disillusioned with God. But I want to leave you with this quote. I love this quote. It's by a man by the name of Gerald Coates. And he says this, God is not disillusioned with you because he never had any illusions of you in the first place. You may be disillusioned, but God's not disillusioned with you because he never had any illusions of you in the first place. God loves you. God doesn't want you living in your hurt. God wants you to keep your hope in your hurt. Let's get over our hurt so that we will not hurt others. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen and God bless.